Good morning. Good morning. There we go. There we go. Man, I'm really grateful to be here. I'm really grateful to be here, City on a Hill Church. Like Pastor Dave said, my name is Pastor AJ. Um, uh, our church in Monmouth, Illinois, is connected to the network of churches that you're also a part of with the High Point Send Network. And you've had, actually, my pastor, Ron Zappia, has come here a few weeks ago, I think, Dave, something like that, a few weeks ago. Another pastor on our staff, Bob Carlton, came and preached. Um, and everyone knows third string's the best, right? <laughs> I think that's pretty, might be Illinois math, I'm not for sure on that. Um, but I'm really grateful to be able to be here um, I'm excited to open up the Word of God. Are you excited to be able to open the Word? Give me an amen if you're excited. Now, now listen, listen. Um, <laughs> I heard how loud you can get. Uh, I don't know if you caught it or not. When Pastor Dave said six kids, did you hear the open laughter that was happening? <laughs> and then he was like, six girls. And then it was like, oh, oh, oh are you serious? That can happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> serious. I mean, just try it. Like, at lunch today, grab a quarter, try to go ahead six times in a row. It's not going to happen, okay? We did. Let's be loud on this. Are you excited to be able to open up the Word of God this morning, church? Amen. 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 Beautiful. Okay, so, so, so I was thinking about, man, I'm, I'm excited to open this up with you, too, and I was thinking, what do I have to offer City on a Hill Church? Like, <laughs> let, let me just be... Uh, let me do a really dangerous thing as a pastor for a second. Let me be honest with what's going on in my heart, okay? If I'm being honest, I don't think that I have the preaching skills and competency that you're used to on a weekly basis from Pastor Dave. And, and, and from the other pastors that you've seen from High Point, Pastor Ron and Bob, I, I don't think that I have the leadership ability that you've probably already have from that caliber that you've already heard from Speaker. So as I prayed and thought about during this time that my church has given me off too, I've been really grateful for it, what, what, what do I possibly have to offer City on a Hill Church? And when I was praying, um, I, I really feel like th this is what God laid on my heart. Like, I love you guys. Like, deeply love this church. Like, behind the church that God's given me the opportunity graciously to be able to pastor in Monmouth, Illinois, this is the church that I pray for most often. That when you guys have two services typically throughout the year, which is amazing, um, and we get ready for our one service at 10 o'clock, do you know what service I have on in the background of like while we're getting ready for our service in Monmouth? I have your live stream up. I... I, I I was, I had tears in my eyes when Ava got baptized. And I text Dave, it was like, hey, I'm going to interrupt your service real quick. Awesome. <laughs> I got to watching the live stream, like while he's baptizing the next poor kid, where it's he's like, what is this? I'm like, that's me, that's me. I disrupted your service. Okay. I, I love you. I love what God's doing here. I loved you even before you were a church. Like Dave said, we had the privilege of being in the same training class. And I remember praying with Dave and Bree, where's God calling them to plant a church? And I remember, we, get the, we were watching your kids when you guys went to the first exploration trip to Madison 
And I remember, like, honestly, they stayed a little bit too late. Like, the, like they stayed up later than what they told us to. Like, oh, a couple hours, no problem. We watched them, like, all night, right? And then they come back. Our, the kids are asleep. And I looked at him. I go, how did it go? And he goes, it's Madison. And, like, tears in her eyes. And we're, like, praise, and we thank God right then and there. And we had no idea what it would look like. And we had no idea where it would be in Madison. We had no idea who would be here. But what I have for you as this sweet church enters its fifth year of ministry, as Pastor Dave said, I have a shepherd's heart for you because I love you so much, even as an outsider looking in. I also think that I, the, what I have to offer you, if, if you would graciously and just extend some humility to me today, our church is six years old in Monmouth as you're entering into your fifth year. And I think there's something to be said about, yeah, you, we, we, we can learn from people that are 50, 50 steps, 100 steps ahead of us, but there's something to be said about learning something from the person that's a half step ahead of you, letting them hit all of the landmines on the path. And I think we've hit most of them for you guys. Is that Rebecca? Would you, I mean, we're, we're there. And there's so much for sure I know that your beautiful church could teach us in Monmouth, but I believe there's something about learning something from the person in the church a half step ahead of you. So let's open up our Bibles. I know we're excited about that. Let's go Matthew chapter 5. We're going to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at the verses 14, 15, and 16, the verses that this church gets its namesake from that you're actually named after. And what we're going to do, what I want to share with you, is just four simple prayers that I have for you as, in this church as you guys enter into your fifth year of ministry. No small feat. Ways that I hope God continues to grow. What I'm so grateful for is the testimony that Pastor Dave gives of you, the way he speaks so highly of you, the way that you... Um, are such a blessing to him and for his family. I'm so grateful. Like, please don't take these as corrections. But man, can we put a little bit more gas on these fires? Like, th like that's how I'm praying. So let's do this. Let's, let's read this passage. Let's read these verses. And then I'll dive into a prayer, that, uh, four prayers that I have for you as you enter into your fourth year, uh, fifth year of, of ministry, rather. Verse 14 follow along with me. You, Jesus says, are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people put a lamp and put it under a basket, but rather they put it on a stand and it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If you're a note taker, write this one down. This is the first prayer that I want to have for you in your fifth year of ministry. First prayer. That your light, city on a hill, that your light would shine in darkness. Quick question. Uh, the context of Matthew 5. What's happening in Matthew chapter 5? Like these verses doesn't pop out of nowhere. What happens in the first 13 verses leading up to this moment in, in chapter 5? Sermon on the Mount. Yes, yeah, Sermon on the Mount. Very good. That's right. Like Sermon on the Mount, right? 
is the longest recorded sermon from Jesus that we have. So thus, it is the best sermon ever been recorded. And I love, I love the heart of Matthew, the disciple. I, I can't imagine what it was like when Jesus was just like, hey, I'm going to start teaching. And Matthew's like, do you have a pen? Do, do, you, do you have some paper? I'm going to, I, do you have, I need to, oh gosh. Oh man, he's going. Intro's already done. Like, and he's just writing, 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 writing. And, and if you've read the book of Matthew before, I mean, literally from where your namesake, the church is from, how does Jesus start off the Sermon on the Mount? What are the, the, ten, the first 10 verses, what, what, is that, what are those called? Right, right. Rhymes with Beatitudes. Exactly. The Beatitudes, right? Where Jesus, his introduction to this sermon, his intro is talking about how the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms who we are and the character that we have as a person. Like, listen, we're not going behavior modification here. It's not like Jesus saying, listen, if you want to follow me, here's some parameters of here, here, here's how you have to act, okay? That's not what Jesus is saying. And a lot of times we, we can look at passages like the Beatitudes and we think, well, if I want to be in church, here's how I have to act. Actually, the first 17 years of my life, that was my story. I grew up, and is Awana's a thing in Wisconsin? Well, okay, so I don't mean to brag. <laughs> I had a Timothy Award, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Okay, I worked hard for that bad boy, okay? But here's what's terrifying. I knew those verses, I even knew the Romans wrote where I could share scripture to walk someone through the gospel until it actually changed my life. You could read the Beatitudes in the first 10 verses of Matthew 5 and you could know the type of character that Jesus wants you to have. But couldn't you fake it? Absolutely you could. And, and, and by way of extension, let me just offer this to you humbly. Christianity is a terrible hobby. It's a fantastic, fantastic lifestyle. Following Jesus isn't something we do for an hour and a half every Sunday. Following Jesus is something we devote our entire life to. That would be an amazing time for an amen. I don't know if you're feeling that or not, but okay, okay. Let's, I'll walk you through it. It's okay. Don't worry about that. I'll walk you through it. And... and what we see here is Jesus is teaching how the gospel transforms not just what we do, but who we are and the character that we display. Because of the gospel, the poor are given the riches of the kingdom of heaven. The mourning are given eternal comfort. The meek are given the earth at some point in our life. This will be true. At some point in our eternal life, this will be true. The oppressed will be given justice, and so on. The focus of the Beatitudes is how the gospel transforms us, including our character. And then Jesus extends this sermon in Matthew 5 to move out of the intro of how the gospel transforms our character and moves now in these verses to be able to say how the gospel empowers a Christian's influence to a watching world. This is how the gospel transforms and changes us and this is how the gospel empowers a Christian's influence is where we're at in these verses. Verse 14 is saying, you are the light of the world and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. That you, by the way, when Jesus is teaching, that you is emphatic. 
in the Greek. That, that you there is exclusive. That means he's going you and by way of extension, not them. He's talking to followers of himself. He's talking to the church. And he's using this word picture of being light into darkness, being the world, to set up this illustration of being a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. I, I don't know Wisconsin landscape super well. I know Illinois landscape very well. Do you know what Illinois landscape looks like? This right here. Okay. Oh, goat. Keep going. Okay. Now, yesterday, Dave did something to me. He drove me uh, through the, uh, the building complex of Epic uh, Colt, or what is it? It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, we're driving around this building complex. And I, I think some of you worked there. That, was, that Colt thing was just a little joke. It's, it's okay. Um, but like we're driving around, he's like, oh, here's the Harry Potter building, and this is the Alice in Wonderland building. It's like, who, who has that job? To like figure out what buildings we're going to have, right? But like when we're driving through, oh, through the working farm, by the way, just because like, duh, what? Like let's just do that. That'd be fun, right? But like there's this moment where like valley, left turn, right turn, and then you come up, and you know what you see? These massive buildings. Do you know what's really hard to hide? The Harry Potter-themed staffing house at Epic, right? Why? Because it's on a hill. Because if you spend however millions of dollars, you want to hide that. Like, if you're going Alice in Wonderland-themed buildings, you're not like, but let's make sure no one sees it. You're like, here it is, right? Can't be hidden, totally obvious. In the same way that those buildings, those cities, if you will, on a hill. By the way, 10,000 people work at Epic. Is that about right? That's Monmouth. My town works in that. Okay? So, <laughs> this is funny. But like, like, that's a city. Those buildings are on a hill and they can't be hidden. They're as obvious as light in the midst of pure darkness. And this is the illustration that Jesus is using to teach. And this is the type of influence that my followers should have into a watching world. And this is the struggle that Christians and followers of Jesus have had since this moment of trying to figure out how to live in the tension of how do I follow Jesus and how do I live in the mission field that he sent me in. I, I've been so inspired by meeting so many of your people already today. I can't tell you how many of you have already blessed and touched this pastor's heart. You guys are an amazing church. There's even been some simple things in this building that have inspired and touched me. I was walking around this building, and I was walking, if you go out here, I don't know what the names of your doors are, but if you turn right and you go out of this main entrance exit here, have you guys ever noticed the words that are put above that door? Like, when we're, we're about to see it as we walk out later today. What's it say? You are sent. And this is the tension that followers of Jesus have lived in since Matthew 5. I'm called to live in darkness, but I'm not called to be darkness. I'm called to be light. Now, let's just be real. There's about three options that we have 
as a church to be able to follow. We can either be light in the midst of light. And that's what most churches do. Do you know why? It's easier. It's easier to preach the gospel to people that already agree with the gospel. It's easy to throw red meat to people that think exactly like me, right? Like as a preacher, do you know how good it feels when someone goes, amen? Like that encourages a preacher. It also adds five minutes to the sermon every time you do it. Because <laughs> I'm like, well, you're like, I got, well, I got more of that. I got more of that, okay. Right? <laughs> but, but seriously, like, it, it's incredibly easy to preach the gospel to someone who already heartily agrees with the gospel. Here's the other option. You can be darkness in the midst of darkness. And you can allow the church to be informed and influenced and directed by the culture, by the world. And do we not see that throughout Madison? And do we not see that throughout Wisconsin? And do we not see that throughout America? And do we not see that throughout the world? That oftentimes, churches are looking to a secularized culture and saying, well, what would you like? You want us to say that? Well, we'll say that. You want us to believe that? We'll believe that. And slowly but surely, the light fades, the light of the gospel fades in those situations, and what they do is they've slowly embraced darkness to be in the midst of darkness. But the tension, the third option that Jesus is actually calling us here to be and to do in Matthew 5 is to be light in the midst of darkness. And here's the great news. I have amazing news for you, City on a Hill. Madison is spiritually dark. Like, I don't know, I, I don't know if you've read the newspaper. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but an outsider looking in, um, movutu.com, that can't be the way that you pronounce that, but that's the way that I just said it. It's a missiological um, website that draws spiritual and religious data, okay? Did you know that someone who's, uh, a website, an agency that has studied this topic incredibly hard has named Madison the progressive capital of the Midwest? There, there's even places within Madison that would... That would expose ideology and doctrines, like instead of saying in God we trust, maybe we should say in reason we trust. Or we should we should boldly, actively, loudly attack the church. And we should try to squash the darkness. Like they're they're actively doing that. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that to empower you. Because some people would hear that and say, well, why are we here? This is a really bad idea. Maybe we should go. Maybe we should go somewhere else. And I would say, you're exactly where we should be. You're exactly where we should be. Because the light shines brightest in the darkest places. So, so here's, the, here's what I'm praying for you in the next five years. Like, amazing that you guys have, God has led you to this place 
five years, 60 months, that's incredible. For the next five years, I'm praying that God would continue to give you light in the midst of darkness. That you would be able to live in the tension of full of grace and full of truth as you illuminate the gospel to a watching world. Just as God has called you to, just as Christ has called you to, when he named your church. City on a hill. Bonhoeffer said this, discipleship is as visible as light in the midst of night, as a mountain in the midst of flat lands. To flee into the darkness of invisibility is to deny Christ's call. Any community of Jesus which wants to be invisible is no longer his community because they no longer follow him. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus into the darkness. And don't be of this world, but be in it. Second prayer. Second prayer. My prayer for you is that your light would strengthen Madison. Verse 15 says this. Jesus says, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Put it on a stand. Rather, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Let's just let's go a little historical here. Um, what was the purpose of a light, what was the purpose of a candle in the first century Mediterranean world? Like, what was it back then? To see, right? Like, to see. I mean, like, some of you, have you has some of you guys, like, jumped on the Amazon Alexa train? Like, you walk into a room, you're like, Alexa, turn on all the lights. Or maybe even, like, this place, because Dave's obsessed with them. Like, every, every room, everywhere, you can talk to Alexa, uh, the government for sure is tapping all of those. That's what we teach in Illinois, okay? <laughs> like, they know exactly what's going on. But, like, you just speak and, like, lights turn on. First century world, that's not happening. Like, Matthew 5 isn't a, like, we have to take our, our cultural context today out of what we understand a light to be, a candle to be. Jesus isn't talking about Yankee candles in Matthew 5. He's talking about a necessity to see. Anybody's power go out last night? I mean, like, I almost started, my, my original intro today was like, hi, my name's AJ, and I survived the great flood of Madison last night. Like, it, it was raining pretty hard there for a bit, right? And like, <laughs> it always seems like the times that we lose power, but it's never like 2 p.m. And it's like 63, so it's fine. It's always like blistering hot, 2 a.m right? And it's already dark, and the lights go out, and it's like, I can't see a thing. What are we going to do? See, that, that was like every day in first century church. Lighting a candle, lighting a light, lighting a lamp, it, it was a useful, necessary, helpful tool, just as the church should be a useful and necessary and helpful tool to a community, even a community that may not agree with it. Just as a light is lit in the first century world to be useful to other people in the house, the church, this church, should be useful to its surrounding community. Now, th this is where we stop thinking internal as a church and we start thinking external as a church. Have you ever thought about this? 
The evangelical church is the only organization that exists for the people outside of it. Is that how you view you coming to City on a Hill? Because I'll be, I'll be honest. <laughs> There's two ways to come to a church on Sunday mornings. The first is with the attitude of what can I get? And, and, and that attitude comes out with things like this. Yeah, I didn't, I don't, I don't think I like the, didn't like the songs today. I didn't like the, well, you know what? That speaker, he kind of had a Super Mario vibe. <laughs> I don't think I like that. I don't think I like that. Uh, you know, they, they made a decision and I'm not super, I don't, I don't think I like that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Who's the focus of this exercise? Now, here's the second attitude that you can have. What has God called us to do, and how has God gifted me to be part of it? And now, isn't that what we see throughout Scripture? Of when the church is having its deepest impact, there's not a bunch of people in the back row going, actually, I don't like that carpet color. <laughs> and they have a bunch of people saying, whatever it takes, whatever we need, God will gift us and we will go forward. You've experienced 15 years of ministry in five years. <laughs> like Dave was talking about. I mean, you, like... It's incredibly stressful to plant a church. It's incredibly stressful to build up leaders. It's incredibly crazy to move locations. It's wild to change your name. It's unreal to go through a pandemic. It's crazy to restart your church. It's wild to go through the to mask or not to mask. That is the question. Great debate that theologians will write about for the next decades to come, okay? And yet, you've been faithful then, and you'll be faithful now. That's the song of this church. So what's next, City on a Hill? As God gifts you and calls you and builds you and establishes you, I guarantee that he is not doing that to make you more comfortable. That has never been the story of Christianity. Welcome to church. Ha <laughs> ha, guest preacher. Okay? God grows his church and establishes church and gifts his church to do what? To serve a watching world. To serve to reach out and to express the gospel in the crevices of this town that no one dared do. This, I'm praying, is the way in which you will have a legacy in your town. So here's my question. What's next? Like, What's, what's God calling you as an individual and you as a collective church What's the next horizon to take? I know your leader. I'm glad to be able to get to know some of your elders. I'm, I'm grateful to be able to meet some of you today in leadership. The people that I've met, they don't seem like, eh, it's time to shift down to fourth kind of people to me. 
take the next hill for the glory of God. Third prayer I have for you. Two more. Is this helpful? Are you hearing my heart in this? Is this good? Okay. Third prayer. I'm praying that your light will spur on one another. I'm praying that your light will spur on one another. I'm getting that out of the first half of verse 16. It says this. Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they can see your good works. Now, at first glance, doesn't this verse kind of seem strange that Jesus would say this? Because we see in other places of Scripture where it says, hey, hey, when you're serving God, be so secretive about it that no one really picks up on what you're doing. Like, be so secretive that your right hand doesn't even know what the left hand's doing. Or like, have you ever met the guy that's like, hey, just, uh, just been serving the Lord. Here's five ways that I've been really serving God. I wrote them down for you so you can see. I actually alphabetized them. Uh, first, I'm pretty awesome. Is, is that guy fun to be around? Nah, nah. Jesus, Jesus here is like, hey, hey, listen. Let the work of the gospel transform and change your heart so it changes your behavior and actions and then do it so people can see. And I got first time of reading, I'm going, really? Here's why. Is anybody else super inspired when they see stories of inspiration in other people's lives? I mean, there's a reason that, I don't know, how long ago was the, like, the Olympics covered, like, were covered? And like over half of Olympic coverage is just testimony videos of inspirational stories, right? Like they share these stories that are like crazy inspirational. Why? Because that attaches us to something. And it actually inspires us to live a similar life. But here's the problem. When I watch the Olympics and I see these stories of inspiration, and this is going to shock you, that ain't happening. Okay? And like, that's not a new thing. Thank you for laughing openly at that, by the way. I really feel like we're connecting, so this is good. This is good. You guys are fitting it right in. But like... <laughs> It's a weird time for an amen, but that's okay. We'll, we'll let it slide. <laughs> but like, th this is something that I've always been inspired. Like, I, I remember watching Space Jam for the first time. The first one, because I'm a Christian, okay? <laughs> we don't watch LeBron James in that. But, but like, I remember the first time, like, that boy, Michael, do you remember? Like, he's outside in the dirt backyard, and he's crossing up and playing, and you can kind of hear R. Kelly in the background, I believe I can fly, and he crosses up, and he jumps, and he goes, and I'm like, I can dunk. <laughs> One day this will happen. And this was backed up by my current understanding at that time of Scripture, because I had, my parents uh, were kind of overprotective, not kind of, super overprotective. Um, no one laughed at that, so you must be overprotective too. That's awesome. Um, but I was not allowed to wear no fear shirts, right? I had to wear, do you remember the Christian version of those? Fear not. Thanks, mom. Super cool. Um, but the, the fear not version of that shirt in the back, it was like, I can do all things through Christ who? Right. Here's what that verse doesn't mean. You can dunk, bro. Okay? Because on that, like at the back had a shadow of like kind of the, like a generic Michael Jordan jump man. And it was like, and I remember just like thinking, man, I can't wait till one day I'm going to dunk. And I remember my senior year of high school going, 
It's never going to happen, is it? <laughs> like, unless a large trampoline's involved, <laughs> not going to happen. Okay? But, but, I was still spurred on nonetheless by that story. Here, here's why I'm saying all of this. God is doing magnificent things in and through the lives of his people in this church. Okay? And if you put it under a bushel, you lose the opportunity to inspire other people to catch on from your spark and be inspired by your flame. Flames are contagious. And I believe that I've already heard stories in this church that have happened that God has done in and through the lives of these people where God's hand cannot be, cannot be denied. And if we shared those in our small groups and in our, in our serving teams, if we shared those in the lives of our people, I'm pumped. This lobby is awesome. How fun was it at 9.30 when y'all started busting down the doors and we were all right there? That was awesome. What if we just shifted gears five degrees and instead of talking about how awesome the Packers are out here, okay, what if we started talking about and then God did this. Like, like what if we shifted from the, superna- uh, the, the superficial rather towards the supernatural what God's doing in our lives? And what if City on a Hill Church became known as a group of people so inspired by what God's doing they can't help but talk about it and share it and then do it together? That's what this verse is saying. That others would see your good works and then the result... It ends in the last one. Uh, well, I've got time. How much time do I have? Five minutes, no problem. Here we go. Okay? Let me tell you some ways that you've inspired me in the last five years. Okay? One, I don't even know what it was called, but that fresh produce ministry that you guys did. Like, I remember calling Dave about, hey, I'm seeing this on Facebook. What, what's happening? It's like, oh, it's incredible. We got semi-trucks full of fresh fruit and vegetables or something. And we organized them, and we're giving them away. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, 20 bags? And he's like, no, like, tons. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, yeah, we've been doing it for, like, hours. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, and then we've got spaces where people get, they want to be prayed for, they can meet and pray with people. And I was like, what? That's incredible. And I, and I don't believe that anyone was super motivated because you're like, finally, someone knows that this neighborhood needs cucumbers. <laughs> like, what was motivating you guys? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the light of the gospel in you. And if I've got to give away 100 tomatoes to someone to be able to develop that relationship, if I've got to meet 100 physical needs so that they can know that I'll be there to help meet their spiritual needs... This is how we say to Monmouth, we want to make Monmouth an incredibly difficult county to get to hell from. And if we have to share compassion and share 
um, meet their physical needs in a way where they would come back to us and go, why would you do that? Because we love you. And then we would do it again. And they would say, why would you do that? Because we love you. And then we would come back and after meeting their physical needs and they would say, why would you do that? And we, they would say, and we would say, because we love you. And then finally, if you do that over and over and over and over again to a watching world, finally the seventh or eighth or ninth time, they're going to say, why do you love me? And church, if you can be faithful enough to stay present that many times in someone's life, to ask that question, they're halfway to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter who they are, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done. Because the answer is, I love you because God loves you. You're planning a church. You're helping plant a church in Monroe, Wisconsin. When Dave first told me this plan, I thought, Dave, are you sure you're gonna, you guys are going to do that? That's a lot of bandwidth. Like, that's a lot to be able to add on. That's a lot of training that you're going to have to do. That's a lot of influence that your people are going to have to give. Guys, you're, you're doing that. Redemption Church is launching in a few months. You guys are are living out the you are sent thing to the ninth degree. You are sending out. And just as other churches just five years ago helped invest and train and build so that God might build something in Madison as it is in heaven, now you're sending out to do the same in Monroe. Congratulations, you have a spiritual child, church. That's inspiring to me. And we've never met. And we live three and a half hours away. And Dave's been really gracious that I have, (laughs) that my fingerprints are here. Guess what? Your fingerprints are in Monmouth through that inspiration. May you continue to share what God's doing in your life so that God will be glorified. And that's our last prayer that we have here. My last prayer for you is that your light will spotlight the glory of God. Out of this verse 16 at the end, it says that we would see those good works. Why? So that they will give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The glory of God is a principle that's incredibly well illustrated by light. Okay? The glory of God is similar to how a light is represented or is in relationship to a flame. All dark flame. From that flame radiates, glows, what? Light. From God permeates and radiates from his presence, what? His glory. When you're in his glory, when you're aimed at his glory, that means that you're close to God. Do we actually believe that scripture is true? Give me an amen if you do. Then do we actually believe that God made good in his word when he says that he will manifest the praises of his people today? That when we're singing, that when we're thinking about these words, 
that the reflections and the meditations and the purposes of our hearts somehow form a throne for Almighty God. And we don't sing like he's not in the room. He's here. And if he's here, that changes something in how we sing, doesn't it? Nothing up the heavens. We want to see you. Oh, man. Bridge again. Okay. <sighs> to what? Do you know what's interesting that throughout Scripture? When we see people enter into the glory of God and the presence of God, we don't see people think about their worship. We just see people respond to the glory of God. Right? I mean, have, have you read the book of Revelation? When John meets Jesus face to face? He's in the presence of God, in the glory of God, in the presence of Jesus. And what's his reaction? Do you remember what he does? He falls like he's dead. Right? He's not like, okay, hang on. It's <clears throat> almost the chorus. He's like, where's Jesus? There, boom, gone. Why? Because two things, that's how glorious God is. And two, that's exactly how weak we are. See, when we come in the presence of God and the glory of God, we understand that everything changes. May you never be a church whose highest banner would be waving the City on the Hill logo. May you always be and continue to be, because I know you are now, may you continue to be a church whose highest aim and greatest affection and glory is raised to Jesus Christ alone. You have done that so well, church, for the first five years. And how many other years Christ would give you to glorify him in this town, in this place? May you be faithful to do it. Let me pray. God, thank you for the way in which you are at work, have been at work, and will be faithful to continue to work in this sweet church city on a hill. God, thank you for the lives that have been impacted in these five years, God, even just looking around this room now, God, I, I thank you for the stories that have already been shared to me of people who came into, these, into this church not knowing your gospel and being saved. God, thank you for the faithful proclamation of your word that you've given through Pastor Dave and through others. God, thank you for the way that you've been the light in which this church has been fueled from for its first five years. And Father, this fall and this November, as it continues to enter into the future of the ministry you're calling it to be, God, may your son Jesus Christ continue to be its cornerstone. Father God, I pray that your light in this church, City on a Hill, would continue to shine in the darkness of the community in which you've placed it. 
Give them strength to be empowered to not flee or not run. God, I know that it's hard work and it's weariness can affect our hearts and our souls. God, would you protect them from that? Would you increase their boldness as they represent your gospel into this culture? Father, I pray that your light would be the light in this church that would strengthen Madison, that they would be useful to their community. God, that they would meet physical needs to be trusted, to be able to meet spiritual needs. Father God, I pray that this church would shine your light as they spur on one another, God, and share how you're at work in each other's lives and how you're calling each other to be part of that same work. God, may your light spread in this community so it would spread in its surrounding culture. God, and lastly, God, I pray that this church would continue to put the spotlight that it has of its light, God, solely on your son, Jesus Christ, to give glory to God, glory to the Father. God, one of the ways that we do that really practically is we remember Father, what you've done in the past. And we remember the hardship of our past. We remember the valleys of our past. And we remember how you were present then and how you have been at work then. And that allows us to trust that you'll be at work in our future. So Father God, allow these words that we're about to sing to be so much more than just a melody and so much more than just lip service, God, would you allow these words to be a declaration of a heart that has remembered you have been here and you've been at work in my life. Your light has shone in the midst of my darkness and to be the reflection of a people who know and embrace the calling that you've put on us for the next two, the next five, the next 15 years of ministry here in Madison. God, may we give you all the glory, honor, and praise today. And as we stand together, all God's people said, amen.